You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Podcast. This is episode number 249 of the St. John's Favorite Podcast. Jeremiah Morrill here. I'm joined by, man, uh, video producer, executive producer, uh, Zach Bertram. It's such a full house. He's on the other side of the room and can only wave at us. I think he's going to be our, our chat room moderator on the uh, on the live stream. And uh, he's in charge of uh, audio, of, uh, of the visual side. Uh, my forever co-host is also our producer tonight, D-Squared. How are we doing, buddy? Doing pretty good. Tonight's episode features all of the sheriff's candidates that are running, or we have four sheriff's candidates that are running uh, this for the Republican primary. We're going to be talking to Major Jay Davis, Mr. John Sproles, Jim Nicholson, and then uh, Sergeant Jason Williams from the Henry County Sheriff's Department about why they decided to run for the office of Henry County Sheriff, their leadership style, policing philosophy, the uh, f- funding for the sheriff's department and budget constraints. And then uh, finally, when we get to the end of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about cannabis and the future of that for Henry County and what that looks like in regards to the sheriff's department. So make sure you stick around until the very end. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh, but hopefully you'll always learn something new. We just finished up about a 15-minute Patreon segment that uh, that I think was a fun one, Dakota. Little little value. You finally admitted your faults and uh, in the hell you've put me through, which is uh, which is much appreciated. I did. I think I made an apology that it was acceptable. If you want to hear what I apologized about, then you have to go to patreon.com slash bosshogofliberty, or you can just go to bosshogofliberty.com and click the, click the support now button. Uh, Patreon is how we pay the bills at the studio. Uh, the heating and cooling, we're starting to get into the warmer weather, so that air conditioning is going to start kicking on a little bit more. Um, that's also how, uh, you know, we can make improvements to the show set. Um, to if we like tonight, we needed an extra microphone and an extra mic cable. That stuff is, you know, Patreon is how we buy that stuff to make sure that we can produce this content for all of you who are going to be listening to this. If you join at any level, then you get access to a Facebook group that is uh, super, you know, it's very, it's, it's very supreme. It's very secretive. Um, it's, and, and it's very, uh, you know, exclusive. I have seen a number of people that have tried to jump in there in the last right. day or so. And I've got to send messages back out saying, Hey, wait a minute. This isn't it. This is the, the, you can like the page, but if you want to join this Patreon, it's, it's like priceline.com. You name any level you want to. You could join for a dollar a month. We'll take it. That's right. And we'll let you in. There are, there are like some guideline pricing things, but you pick whatever value you want. And you jump in. Right. But there's a, there's a dollar figure that gets you something special. Right. And if you join at $50 or more a month, then you get a shout out at the front of every episode that we do. And those folks are Miss Christy Avery. Mr. Jonathan Phillips, who's probably going to be familiar with all these faces in the building tonight. And then Mr. Anthony Meyer, who is a hero 
and he is delivering goods across the country as he listens to us in his 18-wheel uh, Kenworth truck. We appreciate the three of you guys very much. We also want to give a shout-out to uh, Wyland's Flowers. We talked about Wyland's Flowers a little bit in the Patreon portion because I got some flowers from them, from Miss Nancy Custer. Uh, they were great. They were spectacular. Um, Wyland's Flowers for all of your uh, flower, floral, gift needs, you know. And, and and just like it's not just for times that maybe you 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 do something you slip up you make the wife mad we all have been there we've all been in that situation but you know flowers it, it's not only for that time like I just said Nancy Custer sent me flowers just because she appreciated being on the show I wonder I wonder if Zach can create a Facebook poll and it could be which which one of the four sheriff's candidates is most likely to send Dakota Wyland's flowers <laughs> next week. <laughs> if Zach, if, if, uh, if Zach can try to effort that, we'll see if we can actually get that put up. Nice for me. <laughs> yeah, we, she also sent meats like there were cured meats. There's bison, venison, uh, beef. It, it was great. Fantastic. And the chat room could put that in too. If you're obviously we're a podcast, but there's a Facebook live feed. If in the live, if in the live stream, if you want to tell us which candidate you think is most likely to send Dakota a bouquet of something, uh, it'd be the second second time you've received flowers in your life. That's right. We also have a um, merchandise, um, tchip.com slash bho1234 or bho mug. Uh, we have a collar changing mug and it's still uh, $9 for the collar changing mug, which is incredibly cheap, I think. Uh, I don't even know that we make really any profit off of that. That's just for you to take to your office. And then whenever people see it, they're like, well, what's that? Uh, the regular mug is just $8, which is also incredibly cheap. Um, we're going to be dropping links to those in the live stream chat. So if you're watching the live stream, be on the lookout for that from Zach Bertram, the executive producer. All right. You ready that, to, you that's ready all to the housekeeping. All right. Now we get to actually talk to these guys. <clears throat> you know, we did that in five minutes. I think that's a record. You didn't even take a breath. I'm very I out. I, I I'm very out of place. I don't have my normal mic stand, so I'm holding the microphone. This is like the old early episodes of Wall back in the day, and I, I it's it's like horse show announcing over here with me holding holding the mic manually. All I right, feel very odd. It makes me feel bad for Zach. We don't pay him enough to sit over here every <laughs> week and do this. He's he's just over there looking at his phone, scowling. All right, so let's let's talk to the candidates from from left to right on the camera, right to left with me. We've got uh, Jay Davis. John Sproles, Jim Nicholson, and Jason Williams. And they're all running uh, for the, uh, n- r- I guess, the term-limited seat that uh, Rick McCorkle is retiring from. Uh, we'll, start with, we'll start with Jay. If you want to tell us about yourself, your background, your history, the bio, let's, let's let the audience get to know each of you guys before we get too far into the, uh, into the weeds on issues. Thank you. I'm Jay Davis, and I'm running for the Office of Henry County Sheriff. Pull, pull yourself in just a little bit more. There you go. I'm Jay Davis, and I've been running for the office of Henry County Sheriff. I've been employed with the Sheriff's Office since 1984 and have been promoted through the ranks and currently serve as the Chief Deputy Sheriff McCorkle. I'm a native of San Antonio, Texas, and moved here as a youngster. Uh, grew up and graduated uh, from Hagerstown High School. Uh, during that time, I lived in the eastern part of Henry County on uh, County Line East. Was raised by my mother, uh, along with six brothers and six sisters, and uh, left 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 town for a little bit and uh, sought some education, and then returned here. And the Henry County Sheriff's Department happened to be hiring that summer, 
and I applied. I didn't get the job at first, uh, but later that fall, I was hired uh, by then-Chair Paul Piercy, and um, my career started at that time and has progressed to the point where I'm at now. And uh, again, like I said, uh, Sheriff McCorkle's chief deputy. All right. John, tell us about yourself. Well, I'm 47 years old, and I've lived here in Henry County for 38 years. I graduated from a Christian school over in Westfield and um, got married basically the, the day I turned 20. I've been married for 27 years now, and we have four children. And our oldest son is a conservation officer, and I've got a daughter that lives down in Florida, and she goes. She attends a Bible college down there, and we have a daughter and a son who are still at home and attend Heartland Christian School. Uh, my dad's been a pastor here in this town for 38 years. My brother has uh, been in funeral service for over 30 years here, and currently owns and operates the Sproles Family Funeral Home. And um, I have been the president and owner of Sproles Corporation for 28 years, and I've built nearly 100 churches and a lot of other commercial projects. I've probably built 20 or 30 houses as well way back in the day. I haven't built a house since I built mine 22 years ago. Uh, I've been directly in charge of many multi-million dollar jobs and I've been in a position of leadership basically right out of high school. I formed Sproles Corporation uh, just a few years after I graduated. And um, I've been the one to meet church boards and help them go from a bare plot of land to handing them the keys to a new building. And that takes a lot of trust for people to uh, instill in someone to sign a contract and... Um, turn an entire job over to you. And I've done that, like I said, for 28 years. Um, I have many other things here, but we will, we'll come back to those. We got plenty of time. Jim, <laughs> Jim, tell us about yourself. Name's uh, Jim Nicholson. And I was uh, born and raised here in Newcastle. Uh, I'm going to help just a little bit back in March of 1967. So I'm 55 years old, uh, married since 1991 and uh, my wife, Kimberly, and I have two children, two adult children. Uh, Jake is a uh, city police officer. He's been on it for about two and a half years. And then my uh, daughter, uh, she just finished her with her job at Amazon this morning. And uh, on Tuesday, she begins her new career with in management with Culver's, which will be coming to Newcastle later this fall. Well, you're breaking the news for us. Yes, yes. Um, got the staffing announcements. <laughs> yes. The, uh, my, uh, path kind of in law enforcement began, uh, many years ago in 1981 when I, uh, at the age of 14, I joined the, uh, Henry County Sheriff's Department Explorer Scout Program. And I was part of that Explorer Scout Program for, uh, up until I was 20. And, uh, during that time, through my middle school years, uh, was a member of the Scouts, and uh, then uh, graduated in 1985 from Newcastle High School. Uh, I then attended Vincent's University and graduated with a, uh, an associate's degree in law enforcement. During uh, college, my second year, I also served an internship with the Sheriff's Office here in Henry County. And uh, actually, that's when I 
actually met Jay during that period of time. Uh, Jay was a new road officer and uh, actually uh, one of the officers that I have looked up to for over the year, over the years. Uh, after college, uh, you make him sound much older. Actually, he's little, <laughs> <laughs> not much. The uh, ab- after uh, graduation from college, I uh, worked in the jail part time for just a few months, and also I was hired uh, by the Indiana State Police and I was assigned to the Pendleton Post as a dispatcher. Um, in April of 1990, actually tomorrow is my anniversary. Uh, will serve 32 years as a Newcastle police officer. During that time, I've served from patrolman, sergeant, lieutenant, captain, and also deputy chief. And after about four months as deputy chief, I was then appointed chief of police for the city of Newcastle and served under uh, two different mayors. And then after the second term was up in 2012, I returned back to the road as my permanent rank of captain. Gotcha. And so I've been back, uh, actually, permanent rank for 20, 22 years as captain. So, but uh, hmm. with break in service there as chief. So. Very good. And Jason, let's let's get to know you a little bit. Tell us about your uh, your background, your bio. Okay. Um, graduated from Delville High School in 1990, attended Ball State University. Um, I got one child, Alyssa, who's an eighth grader at Newcastle Middle School. Uh, along with her, my girlfriend Amanda, the three of us live here in Newcastle in town. Um, I got hired by the Sheriff's Department in full-time merit in May, March of 2005. Uh, graduated from ILEA in August of 2005. Got promoted to sergeant in 2015. Uh, now I'm a night shift sergeant, canine officer, uh, also an SRO at Shenandoah School Corporation. Just retired in 2020 from the SWAT team after 15 years of service. Uh, been a detective, both criminal and uh, criminal cases, and when I was assigned to the narcotics division. Uh, also, as a reserve unit coordinator for our department for about seven years, six or seven years, um, as well as the operation pullover coordinator for our department for about nine years. Uh, I'm one of our department's certified field training officers, um, and then Actually, our county's only um, certified active shooter um, response planner um, to go along with that. And then I also facilitate our department's hiring process uh, to go along with the agility testing, the physical testing, the written test, things like that. So from each, I guess from each of you guys, and Dakota, you can jump in at any, any point you want to, but we'll start with Jason. What's the, what's the number one thing that you that said, okay, it's 2022, and this is the year I want to run. I want to run for sheriff, and I'm the right guy to do it. Like your your seminal. This is this is why I think it's the time for me to be the guy. For me, it didn't start in 2022. For me, it started in 2003 uh, when I got um, on the sheriff's department reserve unit, and I served there for almost two years before I got hired full time. And then the day I got hired full-time, this was my ultimate goal. This is where I wanted to be. Uh, a lot of it has to do with timing. A lot of it has to do with the experience and knowledge that you gain throughout the years of service that you, that you, um, that you gain on the department. Um, 
and, and you know, I've been lucky and, and very fortunate to do a lot of things uh, while I've served this department. And for me, now's the time. All right. Same, same question for you, Jim. Uh, your motivations. Okay. M- motivations actually uh, began years ago, um, age 14, when I joined the Explorer Scouts, maybe, maybe a few months later. But I've always had the ambition of uh, running for sheriff. Um, I, think, I think any, I, I understand why all of us are running for sheriff. Okay, that's, that's probably a goal we've had uh, since we you know, began the department whether police department or sheriff's department, um, years ago. And, I mean, uh, just like being a police officer, you know, what, what, what child uh, doesn't, you know, one day dream of uh, becoming a police officer? Or, you know, when you're, when you're a kid, you always say, I want to grow up to be a police officer or a firefighter, paramedic. Uh, and we actually, I guess, are old kids now that got to live up to that dream. But, uh, no, actually, uh, I would say probably when I was in the Explorer Scouts, uh, that's when I, I know that I determined or believed, you know, hey, one day I want to run for sheriff. And, uh, you know, just like joining when I became a city police officer, um, I made up my goal one day. I wanted to be chief of police, and I was able to obtain that goal. <clears throat> Same, uh, same, same question to you, John. I'm going to lose my voice at some point tonight. I've got it. It's turning on me, Dakota. So be ready to step in. Well, I, I never dreamed of being a police officer when I was a little kid, but I did. I, my parents told me that I dreamed about being a fire truck. I told them I wanted to be a fire truck when I grew up. So I never have attained that goal. Uh, but, but my passion for law enforcement started early on. I joined the reserves um, here at Henry County over 26 years ago, and um, I served in that role several years. And um, so I, I've always had a love for law enforcement. I, I I got out of it because we were so busy with church building. And um, so when I got back into it a little over five years ago, um, I guess a little after that is when I started thinking about running for sheriff. So I can't say that I've dreamed about being the sheriff. Um, When I came back, I saw a department that uh, the morale is, it is, is rock bottom. Um, It just seems like a lot of our, oh, our operating procedures are, are so, so old and outdated um, I, I, I made a comment a while back. We operate some of our standard operating procedures were written back in 1995. And so I just, I saw a need for leadership that can, uh, get us into the 21st century. And now, you know, the, our taxpayers have just, uh, built us a new jail, state of the art jail and a new sheriff's department headquarters. And, um, I just, I saw the need of, we need professionalism, and we need somebody that can help take us um, into really a new era. Um, and, and law enforcement has changed so much um, in, in just the last years, and we've got to stay up with that. And so I really I, I saw a need for it, and um, I feel like that I am the guy that can help get us up to speed and get us into more of a proactive um, department instead of just being reactive and, and, and getting slapped in the face with whatever 
comes down the road. All right. Jay, tell me, tell us about your, your motivation and why, why this year? Some of my motivation comes from uh, that childhood desire of being a policeman. Uh, I, I recall back when I was a kindergarten student in a town a little bit west of here, uh, the the police chief of that town coming in and showing us the cool things in his car that I thought were really neat and the gun and the and the neat uniform that he was wearing and of course that was an attractant for a young kindergarten age child and as I work to become a a police officer and strive to do the best that I can one of those goals that comes naturally to me is to be the leader of that organization and uh, particularly this year with the retirement of Sheriff McCorkle. That's what, that's what drove and brought that about. All right. I, Dakota, can you lead us through the uh, the leadership question side? It, it, I, I don't feel yeah. like you're getting a chance to be your normal co-host over there. Uh, this it, Well, it's crowded, so we just do what we can. Um, this, But this was a, definitely a big topic that I wanted to talk about whenever Jeremiah and I were discussing amongst ourselves what kinds of questions we wanted to ask you. Um. um Leadership is kind of a big deal to me. Um, I read a lot about it, listen a lot about it. Um, my my own boss just retired. Uh, I I told him that he was one of the best examples of leadership that I had seen. Um, and this is one of the few positions that we have in government as a whole that we kind of get to pick the boss of a department. Usually those roles are, you know, they're appointed by commissioners, by an executive branch or something. This is one that, you know, we get to vote on it. And with that being said, I think that how we look at the sheriff's race, I think leadership is a really important topic in that. So I wanted to ask you guys, like, if you had um, if you had any kind of a summary or thought about how you would describe your own leadership style as you have done it, as you've gone through your life in different aspects and what kind of leadership experience that you have and maybe why you developed it that way. Um, and we can go around the table. We can start with you, Jay, um, just working back around. I believe that my style of leadership will be one that's empowering to the, to those that work with me and for me. Uh, I, I think that, Surrounding myself with employees that know more than I do about various topics, whether or not it's the patrol division, detective division, jail division, I would want to surround myself with those who I feel are the best that the department has to offer in that position and then allow them that opportunity to succeed as a leader in each of those divisions. I would want to include the community in that leadership and take input from those members of our community that have some concern about what we do in the sheriff's department. I think that would be very important. The opportunity to be a leader of a successful department also depends upon the uh, ethics and the morality of that leadership and how we can, how we can bring that about and, and, make our message clear to those that work with us. All right. To John. 
I think um, the key to being a successful leader is being able to successfully communicate. Um, I I would consider myself a, a visionary leader. Um, I like to look at where we can go and cast that vision. Um, I, I think about Heartland Christian School, for an example. Um, I, I had a vision. I say a vision. I didn't have some weird dream or something, but I had an impression that we needed to start a Christian school. And um, I had people say, well, Sproles, you can't. You can't do that because you don't know anything about schooling. And I, I'll admit that I some people graduate cum laude. I graduated, thank the laude. Uh, so <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I, so, but what I was able to do is cast a vision and say, hey, look, I believe we can do this. And then I pulled in the right team around me um, that, that made it go. So I, I think really um, communication is – is probably the most important part of successful leadership. And that's one thing that we have been severely lacking in, in the last years that, that I have been here on the department. Are you into like, um, I know like Jay talked about it as far as like providing uh, people around him and surrounding himself with people. Uh, are you into like assigning and types of tasks? Like you come in, like you have a person come into work and um, you have you've got their work laid out for them to for the day, or are you more into like a decentralized type of of planning? Well, I am definitely into delegating. Uh, I, I think back years ago, I remember me and my dad. Uh, we kind of got into an argument on a construction site one time because I said, why in the world is are, are me and you out here framing these walls? We can hire people to do this. And I remember my dad said, John, if you think you're going to carry a briefcase, my dad's probably watching, so I've got to be careful. But he <laughs> said, if you think you're going to be carrying a briefcase in the construction industry, you're wrong. But um, I, you know, I, I thought, hey, there's a lot more people out here that that can frame walls. I'm gonna let's hire them. I want to go get more jobs and delegate out the task and and move forward. So absolutely, um, it's very important to uh, pick people, find people who um, excel in their uh, respective category, and put them in charge of certain tasks. All right. Let's uh, let's hear from Jim on this. I would uh, consider myself an idealistic and uh, I'm going to help prob- you out with the mic. Just probably with a diplomatic approach, <clears throat> but uh, to learn and to grow in the position. Uh, that's what I did when I became chief. Um, willing to uh, you know learn the job, grow with it. Have I mean that's what you have your supervisors there for too. It's not something, uh, as Dakota mentioned a minute ago, that you know we're going to come in every day and have a plan. That plan's already it's, it's formulated. Uh, will will be formulated, and the you know we have a road captain. We have uh, Jason mentioned ago. He's a road sergeant. They know their responsibilities, their duties. We don't need to look over their shoulder the entire time, and. Uh, you know, they run their shifts. They know what's going on. We can guide and w- from within the administration, and, but also be willing to work with them and work with the deputies. 
Is there anything to be said positive or negative from coming outside the department? Everybody else sitting at the table is a part of the Henry County Sheriff's Department, and you're you're in the city department at this at this juncture. Well, um, I'm I'm sure it's going to be different. Uh, you know, some people don't like outsiders. I don't look at it as an outsider. I mean, we're both small agencies. I mean, we're not a metropolitan department. So everybody knows everybody. I assume. Yes, and the- we all know one another. Yeah. So you know, I, I'm willing to work. I'm willing to work with anyone. And you know, that's as we've all mentioned, or waiting on Jason here. But we've surrounded ourselves with with people, uh, you know, that are going to be our whether it's going to be our chief deputy appointee, uh, jail command staff, um, and to work with the uh, supervisors within the department. And a majority of them are merit. So they, 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 they have come up through the ranks. So very good. Jason. Well, for me, I think the position of a sheriff is, is obviously one that uh, is one of trust from, the community and, and the guys that work on the department because you need their trust as well. Um, and I don't take that lightly or don't take that for granted. So I think, I think that would be a, be a big issue and, and a big problem if, if somebody was to do that. Um, but for me, my style would be, you know, lead from the front, uh, not only give the guys the tools and, and the equipment and things that they need to do the job, uh, but I also think that you need to have the experience uh, and knowledge to be able to use those tools along with them as well. I think that's big, um, you know, f- for me. And you and you could ask the three guys that work for me on my shift. Um, Communication is the key, and I think the communication has to start with the top, the top guy, um, and going from him to the chief deputy to the captains to the sergeants. Um, and, and on down through the ranks on, on both sides, the investigative side and the, and the patrol side. Uh, you know, so communication is, is, uh, is first and foremost with me. It always has been. Uh, and it was that way when I was, uh, you know, in charge of the reserve unit. And it's that way now as a sergeant on our department as well. Um, and I, one thing I've noticed in your campaign that you've done, I guess, is, is that you have announced who your chief deputy would be. You've, yes. you've been Matt yeah. Pierce's. Uh, Matt, Matt Pierce uh, is going to be my chief deputy. Uh, Matt is a guy that is um, he's a lot of times you don't know how to take Matt. Uh, but Matt is a very smart guy and he's one that puts a great deal of thought into everything he does. Um, you know, he, he's a great police officer. He was a great canine officer. Uh, he still is a, is a great SWAT team operator, a sniper, um, and, and Matt is. Uh, I, I'm thrilled to have him on on our on our team. Um, and he's also been on the Boss Hog of Liberty before. He, he has. He, he has. And Brandy are alone. <laughs> Brandy, yes. Um, all right. So we've. We'll, we'll, we're, I guess we're doing this like fantasy football snake draft style, where we're working from one side of the room to the other. So we'll stay with Jason. Hey, for Chair, this. Am I? Yes. Can, can I go back to a point uh, talking about? You ask if there is an advantage from uh, as for being an outsider. And I think there's a, a huge advantage um, of being an outsider. Um, I know the other three guys here, all they have done in their career is be law enforcement officers. Um, when I came back five years ago, uh, obviously coming from a business leader perspective, uh, I was just absolutely shocked at the 
uh, inadequacy of of getting things done. I remember my my uh, captain told me. He said, "Now, John, listen." He said, "This is going to be a little bit different than what you're used to." I know when you when you need to get something, you probably just get it. It doesn't work that way here. And I found that out real quick. It, it don't work that way. I mean, there's times that we need. I'll give you an example. I haven't had a printer in my car for months. My printer doesn't work. So if you no tickets, I assume. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. pull us over, we're yeah, safe. Yeah, I can't. I can't print you a ticket. Um, and so just many, many things that you know we're not looking ahead. Um, we if, another example that is just mind boggling. We are so short staffed right now, and we hired um, a new deputy. Over a year ago, he is sitting at home right now. He doesn't even have police powers because we failed to look ahead and reserve him a spot at the academy. And and once you're hired as a full-time police officer, within one year, you have to get to the academy or you lose your police power. So we're in desperate need of road coverage. And we've got a guy sitting at home that he's he technically right now has no police powers. It's a failed plan. And so coming from a, a business perspective, uh, I, I think it's a, a huge advantage because you can see the lack of the the lack of planning, the lack of communication, and 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 I'm just I'm not used to it. And maybe this is how government works, uh, but I think we could do a a whole lot better with it. All right, back back to you, Jason. And the uh, I, I guess maybe it's because we're hypersensitive, and it's the week that that you guys are all going to join us. But we've been watching the Courier Times and the the arrests recently, and we've we've noticed a number of thefts, and and I guess more than our typical drug issues that we see in the community, we've actually seen more more theft and burglaries and that type of issue happening, stolen vehicles in the mm-hmm. community. Is that how do how does the average citizen analyze that? Is that something that's truly ticked up? Are we just more hypersensitive to it? Is it, is it something that we should be concerned about in our community that it's, 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 that it's increasing or are we just catching more folks? What's, what's going on? No, to be honest, I think that people should be uh, concerned about it. I think everybody's concerned about it. I'm concerned about it. You know, I, uh, I live here in town and uh, I know the major lives out in the, out in the country. You know, John lives out in the, what would be considered out in the country. Jim lives here in town. You know, none of us want to get our stuff broke into either. Uh, but for me, you know, I, I think it's um, it's a situation where, you know, it's it's more of a we need to be more proactive in in what we do on a daily basis as far as police officers. Um, you know, as, as John alluded to, you know, we we are very short staffed, um, and and we do the best we can a lot of times. Um, but with that being said, you know. You know, if we were, and, and it's very, this is very difficult to do because we on the road work 12 hour shifts. Okay. We work 5 a.m. to 5 p.m. or 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. So it's very difficult to expect a guy that just worked a 12 hour shift or just come off a long weekend where they work 12 hours Friday, Saturday, and Sunday to come out Monday and, and work, uh, patrol. Um, you know, but that's something that, you know, we, we may need to look at, you know, and it, and it's going to, but, to go along with that, that costs money. That's, uh, over, that's overtime. So that's that's the question. Is I guess is do you guys need more more slots for for merit deputies, or do you need you need action from the county council? Do you just do you have open spots, but you're just not able, not able to find the bodies? What's the what well, do you what do you need from from well, the right community? now? I know that we're in the process of finalizing bringing another deputy on for the retirement of, of Byron Patrick. Uh, but yeah, in a perfect world, I'd I'd love. Ten more road officers, and 
you know, 15 more jail staff and as I'm sure the major would as well. Um, but you know, we, we have to do with what we, you make do with what, when the, we make do with what we have. And that's, that's been kind of, uh, kind of, I mean, the, the road shortage issue, um, that's been an, that's been an issue for, for several years. And, um, I think all four of us up here want to see that get taken care of. And we all have our own plans and, and, in our minds to get that done, you know, I do as well. Uh, but for, for me to, to alleviate that problem of the break-ins and the burglaries and the car thefts and things, um, you know, we just might need to look at more doing more proactive patrol rather than traffic patrol and pulling people over and things like that, get out in the County and in these rural areas and uh, making sure that we're being, you know, as vigilant as we can. Jim, let's bring you in on the conversation. Is this is this normal? The the, 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 the car, stolen cars and property walking off. Well, I believe it goes in cycles, uh, especially with the way the economy is right now. With uh, you know, people are are desperate. They're they're trying to come up with money, but we also have those individuals that are uh, suffering from drug addiction and mental health. So, uh, needing mental health. Uh, just within a few hours ago, we were at the scene arresting an individual, and uh, his parents were very concerned. He was wanted on a parole violation, and he's will have to go before the parole board. And uh, you know, his parole agent is recommending that he enter into a program, and. The parents were, you know, very upset that he was going to have to go back to prison. They, they, more or less, they wanted him uh, to be able to have mental health services. And so I know that the parole agent, that's, that's one goal that she's working toward. Uh, and, and really all of us, we, we, we do have that compassion and we want to see these uh, offenders to get treatment. So, and, uh, but the burglaries um, and break-ins occurring here in the city, occurring out in the county, uh, and one thing Jason alluded to, we do need to get those patrols uh, being proactive and patrolling the county. Right now, there's an influx of county officers that do like to stay in the city. As a city police officer, I can tell you that we all enjoy that, but we also there are, there are county officers that that do go out and patrol the county, but there are several that stay within the city limits and make traffic stops when there's traffic out to be stopped in the county. Uh, that's that's one thing I've heard while out talking to people out in the country is you know it's been a while since we've seen a officer up and down our road, but. You know, and the county suffers from a lot of daytime burglaries. And if the if if the visibility of the patrol car is out there in the county, you know, that's one thing that we hope hope will cut down. So, any departmental structural changes that you that you think you need more more folks, different different alignments, any anything on that side? Uh, patrol in the patrol service, I, I believe it needs to be increased within the county. Uh, you know, there's I think we've all talked about. And maybe not publicly, but addressing the issue of maybe um, 
removing somebody from the uh, investigations division of the county and placing them back out on the road. Uh, also, the hiring of new deputies, and also, uh, I have a I have a plan where I want to go to a tier system within the reserve division and work with the reserve coordinator to have better services with to keep road officers actually merit deputies out working and either utilize special deputies either paid special deputies or volunteer special deputies along with the reserves to do some of our transports and that would that would be incorporated in the tier system within the reserves there's certain there's certain people out here that want to be reserve deputies and help out but you know not all of them want to work the road some of them want to help out with transports and i know under under Rick and Jay's administration, they have utilized that. Um, I would like to continue that, but kind of beef up that service. So we have special deputies that would do transports, um, not not having road officers do those transports. And that that's also to other facilities and also to um, when we have mental detentions. So. One one question I had going uh, kind of back to what you were talking about with patrolling and like making sure that we have patrol cars that are out in the county uh, is there is there some kind of a system set up I'm I'm ignorant on this topic is there some kind of a system that's set up to where a particular officer might be assigned a certain part of the county like you have you know these sections of county road whatever is it does that exist is well i know in in the past they had certain officers assigned to like north zone south zone and also the uh central zone uh i i'm not for sure how it operates right now but i I can probably answer that if you want me to yeah uh the the way the way it's been here lately especially since we have the gps's and things in, in our computers and our cars uh, dispatch usually just gets on there and sees exactly where we're at and dispatches the closest car. Um, you know, back years ago, we did have the North car, South car, Central car, Rome car. Um, but I mean, I, I don't, I a don't more delegate now. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, with the GPS, they, they know where we're at. Excuse me. And with that assignment of territory, often, oftentimes came the, the problem of, the backup officer oftentimes being too far away. Hmm. Uh, that often led to some some issues as far as timing of backup. Somebody's like somebody's up by Summit Lake and your backup guy's way out in Kennard. And you, Correct. Yeah, Correct. they're 20 minutes away. Well, that makes yeah. sense. And that was the purpose of the uh, central car. The central car would normally back up. If there was a backup issue needed by the north car, the central car would start that way, vice versa to the south, or the Rome car would be the backup car and would automatically start towards the, the need for backup if that came about. All right, let's let's continue on with the conversation, and I think John's John's next with this thought of your policing philosophy, and particularly with the uptick we've seen in some of the property crimes. Well, just for a reality for the viewers, um, it, it sounds great to say we're going to uh, just be out patrolling certain areas. There's many times when we mark on duty, especially winter time, when you've got a lot of slide offs and accidents. There are many times we are working with two deputies, and I and I put a video out on this um, yesterday. I think 
there are times that we literally only have two deputies on duty. And we are just trying to survive. Um, we're running from call to call. And so it, it sounds great to talk about um, putting cars in north, south, east, west zones and, and, and all of that. But we don't have the manpower. And that's just a reality. And, and I think that, that some of the uptick in crime can be from uh, these, these criminals have scanners. They scan on their phones. They know when you've got two deputies out. They know when you only have three deputies out. They know when you're taking a call and, and everybody's tied up in, in Knightstown. Um, and so, so they're, they're smart. Um, and so we just don't have the manpower. And, and I have not, I have not, this, this, this surprises me. I have not heard our department, our leadership saying, Hey, we've got to hire more deputies. We just have been, you know, we'll have a guy quit and, and, uh, or retire. And we haven't, we haven't had a, we don't have a process. We have nobody on a, on a hiring list. You can't hire a police officer next week. It's a process. So we're just always behind the eight ball. We're always behind and we have got to get in front of that. And that will help the crime when they know, Hey, we've got more officers out. So I, I guess I wasn't familiar with that. My, my brother-in-law is a professional fireman in Shelbyville. And I know as they've gone through their process, they'll have a list of five or six. And I won't say guys, five or six individuals that are next in line to join the department. Uh, and I think my dad, my dad's a, uh, he's the merit board president in Rush County. And I think they have a similar process down there. So, there's not a list of here's the next three or four folks we that have are zero expected in line right now. Currently, right now, we don't have zero. Uh, that was effective yesterday. Uh, we hired uh, a young man, uh, so he was the last one on the current shift. Um, we normally have a list like that. Sheriff McCorkle had chosen. He had thought that that list would get us through the end of this year and allow whoever the new sheriff was the opportunity to develop a new list. But traditionally, yes, there has been a list. And for various reasons of retirement and uh, other officers being hired away, lured away by better pay, better benefits, things like that, uh, we we went through that last list of five very quickly. All right. So tell us, Jay, we're we're to you now. uh, Your philosophy and property crimes, et cetera. Uh, any anything you need from the council or from the from the county to help support you or the blind spots that you see? As Jim stated, uh, we, we see crimes kind of rotate through different series. I, I, th- I think truly that the uh, the upcrop is probably due mainly to the addiction issues that we have here in Henry County. Uh, you know, such a terrible issue. And getting support from our council and our commissioners is important as we look to the future of Henry County, as we uh, build educational programs in the new jail, uh, outside the jail, through various civic organizations, things like that. Uh, We need that support, financial support, sure, but we also need the support of the community. And, uh, you know, we've all been taxed crazy. You know, none of us like to pay those taxes, obviously, as you mentioned in the Patreon section. You know, it's that time of the year when we're all helping to pay those taxes. I paid taxes twice today, Jay. I wrote my property tax bill, and I had to pay the IRS bill, too. It was a bad week. You guys, the the government jumps on you double. It's like one on each shoulder this week, man. And and as as a leader in our community, that's how how we work the programs that we do. That's how we hire those extra patrolmen and the detectives when we need it. Sure, pulling a detective out of the detective agency and assigning him to the patrol division is is a temporary fix. 
But then comes the time when we suddenly have a major crime and we need to put that person back into that position to help participate in those advanced investigations. So it leads us into the conversation, Jay, on budget and what your constraints are. Obviously, you've got a you've got a brand new building to run. The, the last one, 500 feet away from here, lasted 40 years. Uh, I, I saw Mike Broyles, uh, one of our one of our patrons, is in the chat, and, and he's he's raising a very fair question of how do you make sure that this next building, la- how do we make sure we take care of it and it lasts and it goes for more than forty years? But you know, you've got a new building, you've got a department to look after. What do you need budget wise? Number one, having the budget to cover the maintenance and more importantly, preventative maintenance as we run a building like that. You know. Running a multi-million dollar building like that takes a lot of skill and takes a lot of people in place. And one of the things that I particularly feel that is important in, the, in uh, operating this new facility is some sense of permanent maintenance with that building, you know, having a budget for maintenance. Do you have maintenance, a, a county maintenance department that takes care, that's responsible for it, or is it the sheriff's department that's responsible for your own building maintenance? How does that work? Wait, with up, the old up, building or this one? Up until this point, the uh, sheriff's department, we've been responsible for that maintenance. So you're fixing your own toilets? And, and there has been a time when I've actually had to do that, uh, when when taxes were a lot lower than what they are now. In recent years, no, that hasn't happened, happened, had to happen. But we have had that time where to get something fixed quickly, one of us is strapped on a pair of boots or coveralls, changed out of our uniform, and gone back in and performed that. We have a maintenance department here at the county, but again, with the taxes that we have coming in here, that's very limited. And, and, and it's, I believe it's a two-man maintenance department with some part-time employees. Uh, to run a building that the size that we have now uh, and looking to the future, sure, everything's going to be on warranty this year and maybe for a few years forward. But what happens is those warranty issues fall off and we develop maintenance issues. We have to have preventative maintenance all along and develop a program in the future with permanent full-time maintenance to maintain a building as such. I know we've got quite, a, quite the audience watching. I'm guessing there's some council members and commissioners watching and pay attention, paying attention tonight to your comments. So uh, it's not just Dakota, Zach, and I listening. You've got, a, you've got the ear of many folks. Uh, John, tell, tell me about what you think of the, so, the, the future of, yeah. of that building and, mm-hmm. and operating the department. So you can have all the money in the world and still be nasty. I, I was just sitting there thinking, I, watched, I remember watching a Michael Jackson documentary. And I remember his maid saying that he um, would leave food in his bed. He would track dog poop into the house and he would not let her clean his bed. And, and he had like chicken legs in his bed for weeks. And I think Michael Jackson, if I remember right, he spent $33 million a month just on his stuff that he wanted. So you can have all the money you want and still be nasty. It, it, it has to do with, with what do you expect? What are your, what's your levels of expectation for cleanliness? Some people, I've been in a lot of houses, and a lot of times I ask this, but their houses are trashed. And I have asked them, is this typical? Is this, and I've had people say, this is, yeah, this is clean. So it's your level of, of expectation. And so we have got to do better. And then this falls back to the professionalism uh, level on what do we expect? And, and that gel out there, if, if we operate it like we have here, it, w- it can be a $25 million mess in, in a matter of no time. We have got to expect pristine conditions. 
and, and professionalism in, in all areas. And quite frankly, we lack that right now. Is that the way it's operated or is that the way that the, the inmates treat it? What's the... Well, I, Help I educate me. Yeah, yeah, I've been, yeah. I've been, I was in the old jail once when I was running for county council, but it's been four years ago. I don't have I don't have the exposure to the yeah, facility and, like and, you and guys I, do. I want to be I, I want to be nice here and and, and careful, but um, we we don't we don't seem to hold our jail staff uh, to a real high standard when it comes to uniforms. That 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 sounds really light and trite, but it seems like you can just kind of wear whatever you want to, drag it out of the dirty clothes pile and stroll in there. And um, so I I believe it's the level of expectation from the top down is we don't expect a lot. I mean, we're okay with you looking like you just rolled out of bed and didn't comb your hair. And it's hard to it's hard to have uh, to to command a lot of respect um, when you know when you operate like that. I've seen trash cans that have over been overflowing for weeks. And it's just hadn't been changed. Just right outside of the jail door, just trash laying everywhere. I don't, you know, I don't know who needs to clean that up. And and there's been times that I've I've tried to do it, but we've got to do a better job in the management. That's from the top down. You you don't ever rise above your your leadership. You so we have got to do better and expect uh, more professionalism in the way the jail is operated and how it is kept. Jim, uh, how how would you how do you view being the first the first new sheriff with this new facility and what the department needs to for the next four years? I'd say we need to take pride in what the the county and the current administration has done by obtaining the new facility, and again, uh, professionalism and uh, the commanding of respect by uh, having new leadership in the jail, um, leadership for those. Uh, correctional officers that will uh, be professional and have a uniformity to gain respect and command respect of the inmates. But try to also, you know, the, the correctional officers work with the offenders daily, work with them in the facility, making sure they're safe. But they also need to gain the respect of those inmates, and we need to go back to a maintenance program also within the within the facility, where every morning and you know I don't know how the jail operates. I remember how it used to thirty thirty five years ago when this one was but, brand new. Right when this was <laughs> brand new, I remember going through taking a tour. I, I was actually in the jail prior to that, the old old jail, and. Uh, you know, that thing lasted, what, 111 years? And then we've had this jail here for a little over 40 years, the the one here on North 12th. And, uh, but I remember taking a tour of that when I was a kid. And uh, then, uh, like say, volunteering as a, as a scout and then also uh, serving my internship and then working in the jail. Um, used to be a daily thing of, uh, you know, they'd wake up in the morning, serve breakfast, uh, take their meds and then clean the facility. Each block was given uh, cleaning supplies, and I assume that's how it's done now. Maybe it's not, uh, but you know, I don't want to. I'm. We're not here to put down. I'm not here to put down the current administration. Okay, we need to. I want to come in with a fresh new ideas. Okay, I, you know, respect everyone sitting here, and uh, you know, from the administration. Let's let's not put the blame 
okay, this is something we can work with that I, you know, eventually want to work with uh, the county council and the commissioners on and keeping the facility clean. That's why we also have uh, certain um, offenders there that are uh, trustees. And those trustees uh, are responsible for keeping the outer perimeter and inner perimeter, not back in the cell blocks uh, per se, keeping that area clean. And in the, in the public lobby, also the offices and also uh, John mentioned to go about the trash being outside. Well, if we need more trustees to, to, uh, you know, be groundskeepers. For those that don't understand, define a trustee. A trustee is uh, <clears throat> basically a trustee uh, is one that the, the sheriff of the jail command staff, uh, they place those uh, certain offenders in a position of trust to have a little bit extra freedom, their liberty, uh, you know, their liberty still taken by, because they're uh, locked up. But they get a little better conditions extra, for doing a little extra, extra work. Extra freedom to maybe be outside the building. Uh, sometimes there's certain trustees that have been out without supervision and some that maybe need supervision. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is something that we need to keep the facility going. So, and keep it around for more than 40 years. And, uh, I mean, and if I'm uh, blessed enough to, uh, be elected sheriff, that's what I at least, uh, plan on doing for, the first four years and hopefully the uh, second term. So see how it, see yes, how it all shakes yes, out after right. that. Jason, tell us about stewardship of the new facility and, and I guess things that you feel like the department may need or, or what you need from well, the council and commissioners. Yeah. I know they're out there watching. <laughs> I'm sure they are. Well, for me, you know, I, I've obviously, you know, took the tours of the, of the new facility and, and it's, it's something that as an officer of that department, uh, you know, I, I, I take great pride in, in that new jail. Uh, it's something that me personally, I, I want to keep it looking nice. Um, you know, as, as all my guys do, you know, everybody that I've spoken to on our department and even on the city department that work with Jim, uh, you know, that facility is state of the art. It's top notch. The county spared no expense on that new facility and and we need to keep it that way and so when it comes to the time where inmates will tear something up then they need to be held accountable for that and they've not been held accountable for a while um you know i i've seen the numbers matt and i have looked at the numbers um you know and and jay i'm sure can attest to this you know we've spent more money in just trying to fix problems at the old jail that it would probably come pretty close, if not pay for a maintenance person at the new facility uh, to keep that going and keep, if that something breaks, fix it. If an inmate breaks something, then charge them with it and have them fix it or, you know, have them fix charge can, for but- that. Um you know, when, when it's, uh, it's almost like when you buy a new car, when you buy a new car, you know, you want to take care of it. You want to keep it clean. You want to keep it nice. You want to keep the wheels rotated and the oil changed. And, you know, this, this new jails is no different. I mean, we, we need to keep it nice. We need to keep it functional and operational and we need to keep it, keep it clean and we need to make sure we take care of it. 
All right, Dakota, you want to you wanna carry the next one? Uh, yeah, so uh, we're talking about cannabis, um, and we talked, or I guess you guys. Um, <laughs> what? You got, John, you got John chuckling already. <laughs> huh. John, you're, I mean, we, we went from the, these, the, the big $25 million jail to, had to cannabis. <laughs> I mean, we got to fill the jail with something. <laughs> So let's let's I will, not fill it with cannabis. I, I will. I will say that I have I have cousins that live in Los Angeles that are professional cannabis salespeople, and yeah, you there's an op, there's an open sign on the storefront, and they have polo shirts, right? Mm. And I, I, and there are times where there are tourists that are traveling from California to New York that happen to be passing through beautiful, wonderful, luxurious Henry County, and then they get to go visit. That that new twenty five million dollar John pulls him over. So I I think it's important uh, to let Dakota lead this conversation uh, about what's because I have the tattoos. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any tattoos. <laughs> no beard, no tattoos. I just look like a boring rebar salesman. Uh, but I think it's an important conversation, and we've seen. I I know that there. We've talked to every office. It's not. We're not just picking on the the candidates running for sheriff. We talked to the prosecutors, candidates about this. We've talked to the state legislative candidates about this. We've heard from veterans groups that are saying that there should be something medicinal. We've heard yeah, just complete recreational, whatever. We're tired of dealing with it. So I think it's the, it's an important conversation for the community. So I'm going to let the yeah, lead I, us through this. And one thing that I thought about whenever I was writing this discussion, we haven't talked about um, the amount that people are caught with, with any of the other candidates that we've talked to. It feels appropriate to talk about that with, the sheriff's candidates with law enforcement. Um, what are your guys' views on jailing people that are caught with cannabis? I mean, obviously you guys have talked a lot about, especially in leadership about guiding all of the um, sheriff's deputies that are going to be underneath of you, um, guiding them in certain directions. And you, you certainly are able to do that. Um, so jailing people that are caught with cannabis, um, if you do think so, does the amount matter? What What are your guys' thoughts on that, first of all? Well, I believe the amount does matter. Um, presently, we do not incarcerate any longer for uh, possession of marijuana. Uh, it's actually a uh, complaint, in, or excuse me, the information in summons that we issue to uh, those offenders uh, that are caught with small amounts of marijuana. Um, and... Number one, that that does um, cut down on our jail overcrowding. So, uh, but but it's a it is a minor offense, class A misdemeanor uh, for simple possession of marijuana. <clears throat> Excuse me. At what point does it go from simple possession to something more severe? It's actually a, it's a class B unless you have thirty grams uh, or more, then it's bumped up to a class A. You have to get into the pound range. You guys are making me use metric and imperial and doing math. This is to be a felony. It's a major struggle. We're talking about going from your pocket to your backpack, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. I think it's important to to know that we, as law enforcement officers, also have that responsibility to enforce the laws that we are given to enforce. And that's that's why we're having the conversation with the state representative candidates as well. Exactly, and I understand that. Yeah, we we don't we don't have that choice not to enforce that law at this point. Right, and it, it's important to to is I, I will I know there are people that are watching at home that are they're challenging that going well wait a minute 
you don't necessarily enforce a, you don't necessarily write a ticket every time you see something happen, right? Speeding doesn't always get a ticket. A a a, a seatbelt violation doesn't always get a ticket. There so, there but, is some officer discretion there, but what I'm referring to is especially those felony amounts. Uh, misdemeanor and felony is a little bit different than a, a, a citation. And we have that responsibility, morally and ethically, to enforce those laws, each of us. When we were sworn to uphold the law, that's the oath that we took. Do those laws change? Uh, Through my career, I've seen significant changes in OVWI laws and possession of marijuana laws, things such as that. And and as our community changes and our society changes, we as officers have to adjust to that change. So um, one, one other thing on the, the cannabis front, as we're talking about it, um, I'm sure that you guys, there's signs as you travel down uh, State Road 3 going through Newcastle, and if you go into any tobacco shop anywhere here, there's Delta 8 uh, cannabis. It's basically, well, it's, it's made from the hemp plant. And basically, whenever Trump signed the farm bill that was legalizing hemp as an agriculture product throughout the United States, they uh, hemp producers took the opportunity to be able to extract THC, Delta-8 THC, from the hemp plant. And so we're seeing that pop up everywhere. Uh, there's really not much regulation on the side of the state saying, hey, it's not allowed in Indiana. Um, the federal side, same thing. Um, so what I've seen in like newspapers and things is that basically if you pull someone over and they have, you know, weed with them, then there's really no way to tell. And they say, this is Delta aid. It's legal. There's really no way for you as a road officer to tell, uh, what kind of complications does that arise? Cause we're talking about amounts. Like, I mean, if someone says this is backpack is full of Delta eight. It's perfectly legal or CBD flower. It's perfectly legal. Like are those, are those things that are going through your guys' minds or is it, is it there yet? Sure. That's a hindrance to our enforcement there. Uh, to look at Delta eight and those hemp flyers, we can't tell the difference between that and, and the Delta nine cannabis. Visually, that's going to have to be a chemical test provided by the Indiana Department of Toxicology. So, does that uh, is that a readily available test? Can they? Is, that's a test that we have to send off and takes weeks to get back. So, what what that is going to force the the deputies and the, and the police officers in Henry County to do is have to send off and have that checked. The state legislatures are going to have to look at how we do testing on cannabis, whether it's the Delta-8 variety or the Delta-9 variety. That's that's going to be important to the future of enforcement of marijuana. Uh, Obviously, that complicates uh, arresting somebody. You're going to have to look at it, wait for a test to come back, and then if it comes back positive for Delta-9 rather than the 8, you're going to have to file for warrants in the prosecutor's office at that time. Let's hear from John. Typically, the Delta Eight is in a um, in a vape form. So I, I guess I haven't encountered uh, people saying, "Oh, here this four ounces of weed is Delta Eight. Wait till they've heard this episode. Next week's going to be a whole other problem. <laughs> going to be different. So, um, yeah, I mean it complicates it, but uh, 
if you know if they have a vape pen and they say it's Delta Eight, I just say thank you for smoking Delta. Have a nice flight. So. <laughs> All right. Anything, anything from you, Jim? Well, let me apologize a minute ago, uh, John. Set the record straight there on uh, the uh, Class B misdemeanor. That is true uh, for the possession of marijuana. It's going back and forth here last few years. Uh, it used to be a Class A misdemeanor, and, of course, the state legislature downgraded it to a Class B misdemeanor. So I, you know, they're kind of working to legalizing, I guess, because uh, actually at one, at one time they had kept the possession of paraphernalia up higher than the uh, possession of marijuana charge, which you know, as law enforcement officers, we I think we had a hard time trying to figure that one out. But, uh, you know, uh, and as Jay said a minute ago, you know, this is something that uh, we, we, we enforce. We don't make those laws. We have to enforce the laws. The, uh, with the Delta eight, sometimes if we're, I mean, majority of the time, if we're in doubt, you know, and it's a small amount, then we don't. It's a judgment call. Yeah, it's point. a judgment call. Just like, just like, I mean, someone has a roach. I'm not saying this, uh, <laughs> not, not permitting anyone, but you know, a lot of a lot of stuff used to be zero tolerance. But you know, we we kind of it's gone take, to the take, point. Take into account, you know, you know, if they have large bundles of marijuana. And you have someone here that has, you know. You guys are much more worried about enforcing that five-acre county chicken rule the county commissioners have versus versus the, the little tiny roach. You know what's illegal for Correct. me to own chickens, Jim? I can't. I can't have chickens. I have you a third. The city, of, though, no, I I can see the city from my front porch, but I live oh. in the county. I, I they the say I have too. to have five acres to have two little hens. I have unless all. they identify as parakeets, and then they're just fine. But it, I have almost two chickens. Acres I, and chickens, I I'm a shit out of luck. <laughs> And then you have to show up with a gun on your hip and arrest me, and it's a whole no, thing. No, we wouldn't do that. That's, a, so, that's the law. That's, that's what actually, they do to you. That's actually an ordinance violation. So. I, I'm telling you that eventually, if you're stubborn enough, guys with guns show up, and they you just keep <laughs> – it escalates, and then they put you in harm's way all over chickens. J- Jason, anything on the cannabis side? <laughs> I, I think they've pretty much covered everything. Like I would probably echo what Jay said, and I don't think you're going to see any real change with any of the – the statutes or anything until it starts bogging down the state department of toxicology. Uh, you know, obviously that's a state agency and I mean, they, they get flooded. I, I can tell you from experience uh, working narcotics that they are a very busy agency. And so when all the agencies from around the state start flooding that office with trying to find out if it's Delta eight or Delta nine, uh, then you might see some real change. Uh, we have a question here. Uh, we try to answer some questions from Patreon members. It is, in, uh, it is in one of the promises. And we have a question here from Patreon member Kirsten Kronk. And she's asking, is there the possibility to house federal inmates in the new jail? And as a sheriff, would you be interested in exploring that option? Uh, there, I, I believe that possi- possibility exists today. I believe somebody dropped a bowling ball above us. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to hear it so loud. There, there is that possibility. Uh, again, looking at uh, housing of inmates, whether it be federal federal inmates, uh, Department of Correction inmates, or uh, detainees from other counties, uh, 
we we have to weigh the benefits uh, to that. You know, for many years we were a DOC holding facility and uh, held held Department of Corrections inmates uh, basically for a profit for Henry County. And and as we did that, uh, I, I can tell you that that was one of the major contributors to the degrade of the Henry County Jail, just because of being over overpopulated and overcrowded. So we would have to be very careful if we chose that route to not overpopulate the Henry County Jail and bring it to a, a, a point of where it begins to degrade. Is that a tool that you find sheriffs use to try to increase revenue? Is, is bringing folks a- a- in Absolutely. Uh, uh, generally, those contracts are written and they benefit uh, normally not so much the, the sheriff's budget, but primarily the general fund budget. And so Henry County relied on that heavily for many years. And uh, is it a possibility today? Yes, there's going to be some open bunks. But to be able to efficiently operate the jail without getting into an overcrowding situation. Um, we, we have to be careful of the number of inmates that we put into the jail and just not go for that, not just not go for the, the profit zone. We may need to look at uh, limiting that number, maybe 10 or 12 or 30. We have to be careful not to overcrowd the jail and bring ourselves back into negative situations. John, we'll, we'll go to you, but I, Henry County did have to, when, when this facility was going on, other counties were involved where they took Henry County people. Yes. So and, it does happen. And we were spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. And um, I, I think this goes back to the last question, and it'll also help answer a, a question previous. We have got to, we have got to figure out who we are going to put in jail. The question about do we take people to jail for you know small uh, amount of possession of marijuana? Um, we cannot be clogging up our jails with with items like that when we have drug dealers that we cannot really move forward on. And, and we, we we have this situation currently that um, there are there are many many dealers that we uh, we need to be going after it, but we can't because our our jail is full and and so are you saying that we're intentionally or we're not arresting certain individuals because we don't have space for them yet is that I, what? well i don't I don't know that we're intentionally doing anything um, that hadn't been a pattern uh, but i I just what I'm saying is we we need to figure out who are we going to be putting in jail and not be filling up our jail with with you know a a level 6 needle possession when we've got when we need to be filling that spot with a a dealer um so i think we need to be intentional about this type of thing and and sit down with the judges the prosecutors the department leaders and and sort this out so we we so we don't get back into an overcrowding situation as we have been it's cost us a fortune and 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 then we've we've got drug task force agents that that they can't really do their job because we're we're filled up with smaller stuff so we've got to pay attention to that and be intentional all right jim I would be I would be for uh, housing the uh, federal inmates or other counties inmates if we have the room uh, the vacancies uh, so to speak but uh, we need to take care of our own and uh, also the 
more serious offenders we have out there. Uh, but you know, we all have, we all have our plans and our plan- platforms that we're all working on. Uh, one of mine is the uh, you know offering the uh, services, uh, mental health services to our prison offenders, and also the uh, drug treatment programs. And then uh, also the level six offenders who are, as of what, July 1st, level six offenders who have been convicted can be moved over instead of housing at the local level can be transferred to the Department of Corrections. So that is one way of cutting down on overcrowding within our facility. Um, Hopefully, by having the drug treatment programs and mental health services we provide, that will also cut down our recidivism uh, rate of returning prisoners. And, uh, you know, uh, not wanting to uh, fault, this is not a blame game. Uh, This is just something that over time has uh, taken uh, taken place, and it it's, it has impacted the incarceration level or who we who we are uh, incarcerating, and uh, has slowed that pace down. But so if we if we can all work together, the courts, law enforcement uh, departments, and uh, the prosecutor's office, and uh, see who we are going to incarcerate who we're going to keep incarcerated uh, and either by release or transferring to the Department of Corrections and also within community corrections, uh, whether these people need, you know, released and placed on uh, modified supervision or supervision with an ankle bracelet. So, Jason? For me, I mean, I would probably go back to Kind of what Major Davis said, uh, you know, I'm not opposed to housing federal inmates, uh, but I think there needs to be a limit uh, of how many we hold. Uh, but first and foremost, I think before we talk about bringing federal prisoners in, I think, and, and I'm not sure of the number to this day, but I think we need to to make sure that we bring back the Henry County prisoners that are farmed out to other counties right now that we're paying a lot of money to these other counties to house our prisoners. We need to make sure that we get those back, those people back here first. Do you have an approximate number? I, I, I do not. I do not have. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I, don't I, I believe we have 47 inmates in other counties. Oh, okay. Okay. And, and over time, 47 inmates equals a lot of money. Yeah. If it's and, if it's fifty five or sixty five dollars a day uh, per inmate over three hundred sixty five days or even a hundred days that they're incarcerated outside, um, you know that that's a lot of money that Henry County could save by bringing those prisoners back here where they're charged. Um, you know, if it's a drug treatment program like Captain Nicholson said, you know, whatever. But I I think that could be a great savings to Henry County is bringing those prisoners back first before you go after the federal prisoners to try and make any kind of money outside of that. Let's save our money first before we bring in others. Operationally, Jay, help us, help us understand. You've got the new facility and have all of the current prisoners. Is, 
the 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 old well, we'll quite say old facility is that shut down? There's nobody there. The now? old facility we shut down on Tuesday and moved all the current uh, inmates that were in the jail and the transition center out to the to the new facility. All right, and then so now the process begins of bringing the, the, the other process back. will begin. Uh, we're we're going to hold in place uh, for a week or so, just so uh, hopefully we don't develop any big snafus with the new building, uh, with all the technology and things that are in place here at that new building. Uh, something could go wrong. Uh, obviously, with anything, uh, you could run into an issue, and we want to make sure that we've not brought our still, still finding all the light switches and making sure how we know how to turn the doorknobs, et cetera. And we want to make sure we that we haven't brought our inmates back from other counties too quick, and then have an issue, and then have to beg back beds in other counties <coughs> that may have already, uh, for lack of a better term, rented to other agencies. All right. One last question that I saw come through that I want to uh, that I want to ask, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll work work into final thoughts. Uh, and this is a relatively quick one. I, I say that and it's probably a fool's fool's errand to say that. But Jay, the uh, the I did see a question come through about the concealed carry change that the legislature made. The governor signed the bill uh, where you basically it's a anybody's allowed to have a handgun starting in July or nearly anybody. You no longer need your your pink permit card. Sure. Is there? Do you see that affecting your lives as, as, as I, I sheriff's I think it officers? affects all of our lives uh, to certain degrees. Uh, in my own mind, how how I have settled on that law change is uh, just as we've been trained for many years to uh, approach people uh, with bloodborne pathogen diseases, and treat them as if they have that, and then we're protecting ourselves. So in my own mind, I feel that I need to treat those in the public in, in, that I come into contact with as if they have a weapon and then be prepared to take care of whatever issues might arise. I can tell you that over the years, in my years as a patrolman and, and even more, I have encountered very uh, you know large numbers of people who are carrying a handgun and carrying it legally, and there's never been an issue. So it's just a matter of being have, having the proper mindset uh, as you approach uh, somebody on a traffic stop. I, I assume that all of arrest. you guys, you are already, whenever you're approaching a vehicle or something, you're already assuming this person is, could be armed. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that, that's part of our training yeah. and how we deal with that. So, so any comments from you, John? Well, there there are still laws in place where you you, you can't, have a handgun if you're a convicted felon and, and, um, you know, have a restraining order on you. I, so I don't, I don't know that, um, I, some people say it's a slippery slope. Bottom line is it's going into effect July 1st and, and we're going to deal with it. So I, I don't really have a big issue with it. Um, and, and it's not really going to cause me to, uh, approach a car any differently. Uh, just because they're not having to get a pink uh, uh, handgun permit slip, so um, I'm just disappointed because I finally got a new plastic one, and now it's a waste. It's, <laughs> I don't need it anymore. And I, I had to hand laminate it myself, well, you know. And I would disagree right. that it's a waste because if you chose to carry in another state, yes, that right. honors an Indiana handgun permit to allow you to do that. Yeah. And, and so, to our public out there that's listening, it don't is throw not it away. Yes. Time. Yeah. Don't throw away your car just because you can carry legally in the state. Excellent point. Jim, I, I don't think it'll change much. Uh, our our training, you know, we're we're always uh, on guard uh, to believe that someone could be armed. 
So uh, that's it's just uh, there will probably be more people caring, but uh, that, that's uh, I mean we've we've always assumed before when making a approach on a vehicle, uh, and uh, it's re- it really wasn't even. Uh, some people like to say the concealed carry. Well, in Indiana, it was just a personal protection permit, so they could carry concealed or. Uh, out in the open, so um, you know, and ho- hopefully we'll see those ones that are out in the open. And Tony Saunders uh, reminded us you'll have to be surprised when he was here. It was just a matter of length, anyway, because at, at a certain length you didn't you didn't need the yeah. card any regardless, right? Right, right. right. Uh, Jason, oh, for me it doesn't it doesn't change anything how I how I conduct business on a traffic stop or out in the public. Um, it, it just doesn't. I mean, I consider everybody armed until they prove to me that they're not or I, I finish doing what I need to do with them. You know, I, I it's it's like going into Walmart or a store where you see a guy carrying a gun on their hip and people say, well, you know, does, does that worry you? No, it's it's not the people that when I see their gun on their hip, it, that, those people don't worry me. It's the ones that carry concealed that are trying to hide it. Um, you know, those are the ones that, that we need to be ready for. All right. And I had uh, one one last question. We talked a little bit um, with John's experience on the re- as a reserve deputy. Um, what do you guys see with the with the reserve portion of the sheriff's department going forward? Is this something you want to empower more? Keep around? What change at all? Is that uh, I I personally feel that the reserve organization within the Sheriff's Department. It is a very important part of our department. Uh, it, it allows for us to seek some extra coverage, maybe when there's not the financial benefit uh, of being able to pay overtime to our patrolmen, uh, anybody. And it allows us to handle special events with more manpower, things such as that. And it allows citizens of Henry County the opportunity, if maybe they've always wanted to serve, in some capacity, and it allows them an opportunity to serve Henry County uh, in law enforcement. Folks that folks that may have a full time job but still want to be able to participate and give back. Sure, just like I, like I know, I know from for me from personal experience, and I'm sure John would would say this as well. Uh, for me, that's that's how I got my start in law enforcement. You know, and I, I think that's very important uh, for for guys and gals both that may be seeking. Uh, this career path to give them that experience uh, to give them a taste of what, what this career is all about, what this job's all about. And, you know, if, I mean, we've, we've gotten a lot of, a lot of guys on our department come from the reserves and a lot of good officers have come from the reserve unit, uh, both on the County and city, both. So uh, I'm, I'm all for it. I think it's a great program. Uh, if it's, if it's, uh, managed properly, um, I, I don't like the thought of using reserves to supplement paying, uh, having to pay officers overtime. Uh, officers are not paid, uh, nearly as much as they should be now when they get an opportunity to make overtime. I think it's absolutely wrong to, to slide them out and put a reserve in, uh, so they don't make that extra money. Um, so, but it, it does have to be managed properly. And, uh, unfortunately, it, it, we, we have, we have had to use reserves to cover our shortfall. And I think it's, quite frankly, I think it's been wrong to do that to, we just, we're short.
short-staffed. We're short-staffed, and and thank God for our reserves, or we wouldn't survive. I mean, there's been times we have had one merit deputy working with multiple reserves. So, and a merit deputy is a full-time deputy. Any any comments on the reserves, Jim? Before we before we wrap up, I I think the reserves are a great organization. I've worked with uh, many reserves over my uh, uh, forty-one years being around in law enforcement. Uh, the uh, when I was an explorer scout, the uh, a lot of times we worked the same events that the uh, reserves worked. The special details they worked at the ball games, the fairs, uh, and uh, they they also are a great PR tool for the sheriff's office and the sheriff. Uh, like I said before, I would like to have a tier system within the reserves. Uh, develop a tier system uh, like a tier one, tier two, tier three, that they have different uh, either responsibilities or abilities. Uh, the uh, you know, and, and their training. And I would like to also start a volunteer service separate from the reserves and separate from even being maybe special deputies that would uh, assist our. Merit officers, our road officers, on small details. Uh, when I when I was chief, um, one of the we actually uh, cooperated and worked. It was a cooperative with the Board of Works and uh, hired an individual here in Newcastle that uh, everyone knew within the county, and that was a retired police officer, city police officer, and former sheriff Von Reed Jr. And uh, we made him a courtesy officer, a uh, public safety officer. And, you know, he handled the funeral escorts, park security, stuff of that nature. Also was uh, kind of a backup there for uh, traffic assistance. And uh, it uh, gave someone with, you know, who was matured or retired and uh, still wanting involved in law enforcement. And uh, just up until... You know, just uh, within the last couple of years when uh, Vaughn had uh, failing health and or declining health because yep. he's still he's still out and about, but uh, just not just not not uh, in that role, not in that role anymore. <laughs> so but uh, but uh, uh, junior, uh, he was always a great asset for the city when uh, the first aid unit was through the police department yep. and, uh, you know, everyone knew him. Oh, yeah. And then he was served two terms as sheriff and uh you know that that's actually within the uh care system of the reserves i'd like to have maybe former retired city and county officers state officers that would be more like a tier one reserve you're trying to get rick a job i can tell oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh um you know i i think we're all here uh i i don't want to tear down anything that um uh, you know, there, there are several great um, uh, tools and, and abilities that those reserves, the volunteers, provide for the sheriff's office. And we'd, we'd be glad to have more. So, All right. Anything from you, uh, Jason, on the reserves to wrap up? Or? No. Everybody, can I ask a, a real quick question that I think is very important? Um, 
I would like to know who's uh, who the chief deputy would be for each candidate. Uh, it's kind of interesting to be this far into it and to and for people to not have publicly uh, stated who their chief deputy would be. Mine would be Josh Smith, who's a, a 27 year law enforcement veteran, uh, been with the sheriff's department for 24 years, one of our current detectives. And I, I have not heard who the major would have. I think I know who, who Jim would have, but I think it would be important for even the voters to know who that second in command is. For, I'll go first. I mean, obviously, I think everybody knows uh, that Matt Pierce is my choice as chief, chief deputy. Uh, Matt and I got hired the same night. We've both been on 17 years, a little over 17 years now. Matt was a former city police officer, uh, former canine officer. He's still active SWAT. I'm still active canine, but no more SWAT. So, uh, Matt, Matt's been my top choice since day one. All right. Anything from you, Jim? On, yes. on- my, uh, my choice for chief deputy is uh, currently a sergeant with the, the uh, Henry County Sheriff's Department, uh, James Goodwin. Uh, a lot of people know him uh, from his nickname, uh, Fish. Uh, but Jim Goodwin is uh, my choice for my chief deputy. And I also have a choice for uh, my uh, jail command staff. Uh, that would be uh, Mike Walton. He's a uh, retired 26-year veteran of IMP, or actually IPD, and former chief police for Lawrence. And uh, with both both those um, gentlemen will be part of my command staff. So. All right. And, Jay, do you have a, a paint a picture for what your, your I, sheriff's department is going to look like? I have not chosen a chief deputy yet. And, and uh, number one, I don't feel until I win this election that I have the, the right to pick somebody to name. That's a statutory appointment by the chief or by the sheriff and to choose their chief deputy and their matron. And until uh, I achieve the opportunity to make that appointment, uh, I feel that it's just not mine to make. So are you saying that you wouldn't make it until after November? I don't know that at this point. Well, I mean, you just said that you you wouldn't do it until after you're elected, and truly uh, November would be the election. So I'm just wondering if you go all the way through November without making that choice. At at this point, uh, that is my opinion and how I feel, and don't believe that uh, I need to make a decision uh, regarding that position. All right. So at this point in the show, this is where we get into final thoughts, is where we clean up anything we forgot. Uh, any any other issues that we didn't get to? We'll give each of the candidates a chance to uh, to speak to to close the close the conversation. If there's anything we skip, this is uh, this is where we we pick that up. Uh, Jason, this is this is it, man. What do, what do we need to know? I know you guys are all going door to door. If you're looking for volunteers, as a as a three time candidate myself, this is where I tell you all you should be raising money if you need money. <laughs> uh, all of that. Yeah. No, I, first of all, I want to I want to thank you and and your staff for having us here. Uh, this is a, this is a great format, and it actually gets us off the street and gets me off the street for the night. So I'm I'm happy to happy to be here for sure. So thank you you guys very much. Um, you know, for me, you know, this is this is a something that I I don't take this lightly. I haven't taken this lightly since I started thinking about it, and then once I jumped in, I jumped in with both feet. And, you know, this is taking a lot of time and a lot of effort and, and a lot of money. And so, you know, this is something I'm proud of, though. I'm, I'm very proud to, to be up here, you know, competing for this with these guys. And, and um, you know, hopefully the, 
the voters will will go my way on on May third, and and even now I know early voting's open now. So uh, no, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to help make this community and in this county uh, a safe place to to live and raise your kids and and send your kids to school. And um, you know I'm I'm ready for it. All right, Jim. This is this is where we back clean up. Okay. Uh, actually, uh, same as Jason said, you know, I'd like to thank uh, the staff here at Boss Hog Liberty. There, and don't, uh, don't call them my staff. I'm going to get so much oh. trouble. <laughs> Dakota and I are co-equals, and Zach is way underpaid for his volunteer <laughs> position. So, so, so are, you, are you the Boss Hog then? Uh, so the name I said the staff. Yeah. Of uh, yeah. Boss Hog of he's the uh, so. he's the boss hog just because he's bossy. It's oh, okay. a it's a hostile situation. Okay. I didn't pick the name of the show. the The guy that no owns, one did. owns the network, uh, Chris Spangle. He uh, he forced it upon me, and I thought, well, that's gonna that'll never last. And here we are, five years later, and it's the stupid boss hog of liberty. That's why you notice I actually I use BHOL a lot. I'm like, right. hey, this is a silly name. And here we are, still in, in no, interview. But, We've had everybody from economists to sheriffs, candidates to comedians on the show, and it's uh, we just the, the name is what it is. No, and I and I've watched you for years. Uh, you know, not not religiously every well, Thursday, okay. but, but uh, the uh, you can always you know, catch the podcast in the I'd car also, the next day. I'd also like to you know thank thank fellow candidates here that I that I've known known for years, uh, some longer, some shorter. Uh, it's uh, you know a privilege really to run with these guys, and you know to know that they have the uh, you know the same goal in mind to seek that leadership at the sheriff's department uh, to lead the men and women of the sheriff's department in the county, and uh, you know I would like to uh, you know uh, you know become the sheriff. And uh, I, I pray that I'm blessed to do that. So, but uh, a little further back, you know, uh, it's been my, uh, in my 32 years as a city police officer, um, I, I mentioned, you know, on my platform or my bio that uh, for the past 28 years, my, my uh, best part-time job that I've had has uh, also been as a school resource officer. I've worked for Newcastle Schools since 1994. Uh, a lot, a, lot, a lot of it was in the high school setting uh, up until uh, about three, four years ago when we started branching out to the elementaries. And uh, the last uh, few years I've been serving as the elementary uh, SRO. So, uh, you know, I want to continue. It's a job I love. But uh, I want to, uh, you know, come over to the county, lead the department, uh, serve the citizens of Henry County, um, and uh, continue continue with that service. Very good. Mr. John. Well, to Jim, we've been hiring for a long time, uh, so you could have came over a long time ago. But I want to say thanks to you. I've been watching this show every week since I was eight years old. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, no, thanks. It, it's a, a great show and, and such a neat place. I, I was unaware of this place. So um, as Jim said earlier, don't want to knock this administration, and I and I surely don't want to knock this administration, but I absolutely don't want to repeat it. Um, we have we have gone for years with no department meetings whatsoever. 
I know that's shocking. I put it on my website, and people were shocked, and it's absolutely true. There is no way to to progress and to stay ahead of the game without having regular meetings with your people. Also, uh, we need regular updates to the community. I believe the position of the sheriff is is of a, a great part. Uh, communicating, communicating with your officers, communicating with your community. And um, I, I like to communicate. I like transparency. I think our people need that. Uh, I know they have been lacking that. And especially when we've been entrusted with this $25 million facility that our taxpayers uh, are paying for, we have got to have more transparency. And um, I want to have uh, open forums for our community people to come in once every quarter into our new facility. We have a great uh, large training room uh, just to communicate and hear from our community. They need to hear from us, and we need to hear from them. So uh, lastly, uh, everybody else up here, they have all they have done is they've been police officers, and, and, and that's a, a, a valiant thing. I, I get it. But uh, I come from a business background, and I'm also a police officer. So I there are many things that we need to correct. Communication transparency and professionalism are are the top three for me and i i uh, ask for the people's vote so at the polls vote for sproles jay i want to thank boss hog liberty and the opportunity to come on this show it's been a it's been a great evening for us to express our views uh, to the public out there and as jason said kind of getting away from a night out and around uh, knocking on a few doors and those kind of things that we all do when we're running a campaign. The experience that I have and the leadership that I've had through many organizations in Henry County is what makes me stand out, I believe. And I feel that as we progress into the future of the Henry County Sheriff's Department, that I have the skills and the leadership abilities to offer the community, offer our deputies that opportunity. You know, we have several different divisions, and we, we can have leaders in each of those divisions and, and put people in place that help us. And, and I believe that's part of that, maybe the decentralization of leadership there. Uh, we can have people that uh, are experts right here from our community uh, that can lead a jail, that can lead the patrol division that can lead the detective division. And by running that group together and providing them leadership and the ability to make their decisions and uh, empowering the community to tell us what they want and to be a part of what we do as a department as a whole is very important. And uh, I thank everybody uh, for taking the time this evening to... to uh, Look at your phones, look at your computers, and view this podcast. Uh, something new to me, uh, obviously. Uh, I was a little hesitant at first, I'll be very honest with you. But as we look at some of these things, it gives us another way, another route of reaching out to our community and uh, bringing around the ideas. Thank you all, and would appreciate your vote in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I was going to say it's open now, right? Jeremiah, right go at any time. One last thing. Uh, uh, it was kind of a put down a second ago, but I'll, I'll jump right in there and do that because I've not tried to put down any of the candidates. But 
one one comment that was made there was, you know, I, I could have very easily come over to the sheriff's department and applied years ago. Well, I did, and uh, I was actually through the merit process and uh, was informed by the uh, merit board members. I was I was actually in the merit uh, board interview for quite a long time compared to some of the other candidates and was asked different questions. And uh, actually, there's I know of one merit board member that's still in there, and then the sheriff at the time was Vaughn Reed. And uh, it was total respect, but one of the reasons, and or the reason I was given uh, because I wasn't hired was because they thought I had four years on at the sheriff's department, or excuse me, at the police department, and uh, that uh, I had already obtained the rank of sergeant, and they they believed that I was uh, progressing and would progress within the within the city. Uh, that's nothing against the sheriff's department. It's just that I had at that time four years on and was progressing merit merit wise. Those were all merit. Promotions I received from the next promotion, lieutenant, captain, and then actually when I was appointed. So I, uh, you know, I did uh, travel that path, and uh, early on, you know, that's that was my career choice was to go to the sheriff's department. It just so happened to be that I was hired to the police department, and I've I've uh, enjoyed and I still enjoy. Yeah, if I'm not elected sheriff, I'll still be a police officer because I plan on staying at Newcastle. I've been there 32 years, and I could stay till I'm 70 if I want. That's that's uh, 14 and a half years for me, or 15 years. So I I don't plan on it. My wife will kill me. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, I uh, I plan on being around here in law enforcement. So all right, very thank good. you, everybody. Good. D, D squared, you got final thoughts? Yeah, I have a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. I want to thank you guys for coming on the show. I um, want to apologize because this chair is super creaky. I didn't know about it, <laughs> and this is the first time I've done an episode from this chair. Um, I also want to thank all of our Patreon members, patreon.com slash Liberty or go to bosshogofliberty.com. Um, one cool thing that's on our website that I'm going to bring up again is the fact that you go to bosshogofliberty.com. There is a little microphone button. You can leave us a voicemail, and we will review it before the show. And the next time that we have a fun host-only show next week, we're going to be reviewing those. So I want you guys to send in your voicemails. Um, you can you can use it as a, a verbal review process for all I care. Uh, t- tell us what's on your mind. Um, also want to thank all of the sponsors that have been sponsoring this candidate series. We highlighted Wyland's Flowers tonight. They are the pinned, uh, the pinned business on the top of the comments page right now. Uh, but we've also had Big Bounce Inflatables and the Slick Pickle, and they have been uh, really great to us. We appreciate the heck out of them. They're great businesses in the city of Newcastle. And uh, just go show them your support and tell them that the Boss Hog of Liberty sent you. Uh, Jeremiah, real quick, I just I also want to thank you guys and thank the sponsors for the for the glass yep. tonight too. Absolutely, yeah, yeah that's an awesome. The, uh, the bicentennial it. committee uh, hooked us hooked everybody up, and I think their the link to their uh, their website is in the uh, in the Facebook chat as well. Uh, but they uh, they went above and beyond for us. Uh, real quick from for my final thoughts, I'm wearing I didn't I didn't dress up very nice tonight, but I'm, I'm wearing my t shirt. Um, Nate Schmidt, uh, I grew up with him at Blue River. We actually rode the same school bus together, fifth and sixth grade. 
uh, and I, I haven't seen him in many years, but I, he's a guy that, that's from the community, and I think he works. Uh, he actually works with a friend of the show, Aaron Dickin, now on the insurance side up in Muncie. But I know he's in a he's in a cancer battle. So bought the t shirt. Uh, I think that uh, if you contact Matt Guffey, he's uh, he's out on uh, on Facebook selling t shirts, trying to uh, trying to prop up the family and do what they can to uh, in, in the battle. It's a very small, tight knit community. I know we have people that listen from uh, from all over the county, but we have a nationwide audience. So uh, there's uh, there's some folks hurting in our uh, in our little community here. So trying to take care of them. Here, my well, since we're doing that real quick. Yep. Um, my my girlfriend's niece Mackenzie's in the hospital, uh, not doing real well today, um, battling some health problems. So shout out to her. Yep. Very good. Um, and I I want to thank each of you guys as well. You know I've. Uh, for being here, it, it's a lot of work. I, I've been <laughs> I've been through the campaign machine a, a number of times, uh, and I know it can be very frustrating. I've been I've been in your seats and and tried to tried to put the effort in and the work in, and every one of you are making the race better. So thank you for being a part of it. Uh, I don't know how it's going to shake out in May, but uh, hopefully we we all we all know that we're working to improve the community and. The voters get to choose. It's uh, we get the government we deserve. So I don't know how it's going to go, but uh, but the, the the folks that go to the polls are going to make the decision, and we're all gonna we're all gonna have to be okay with it. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate you all for being a part of the process. It's uh, we'll see we'll see how it all goes. We're we're just a few weeks away from it from it being there. So thanks so much to the audience for uh, for watching. We will be back next Thursday night. That's going to be episode two fifty of Boss Hog. Uh, I think we're going to make that more of a fun, lighthearted episode. And then we will have one final uh, night for the candidate series, the Tuesday, uh, the, the, the final Tuesday in, uh, in April. So with that, we will see you all next week.